Welcome in to another edition of Home Run Throwback. I am Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Easton Freeze. Easton, how are you tonight? Jimmy, glad to be inside where it is warm and dry, <laughs> yeah. not outside where it is 40 degrees and raining like it was at the Titans game today. But that was the only bad thing about uh, attending that game today. So, I mean, uh, you know, you got to take them how you can get them, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot to get into before we do that. I uh, remind you, as always, this home run throw. Throwback. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You search out Home Run Throwback. It's a Broadway Sports Media podcast. BroadwaySportsMedia.com is the website for all of your best Titans news and analysis. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM. Easton is at Easton Freeze. You can also get Easton's other podcast, The Titans 10, which he does four or five times a week. Again, wherever you get your podcast, just search out The Titans 10, and you will find him there. All right, so it turned out to be a really eventful day for I mean, for the Titans overall. Everywhere um, outside of the actual Titans game, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. the, <laughs> well, maybe the least eventful Titans tangentially, you know, associated news was outside of the was, Titans game. Yeah, the game. And so, I mean, it was good to see them beat a team that they're better than soundly, right? Because we've had <laughs> quite a few games this right, year. Right, and it's been a while, yeah, it feels like. Where, I mean, this game was, I mean, it was over at halftime, really. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot to the Dolphins. I mean, my, my gosh. I mean, I love Tua, but he played terrible <laughs> today, um, which was which was good for you know for today, obviously. But they although just, I will say, I will say, I saw some people, I saw some Miami fans online saying that Tua is not the answer. I saw a guy burning a a Tua jersey after this game. Tua was not <laughs> good in this game at all. But Tua was not the reason the Dolphins lost this game. They just they were beat soundly all over Everywhere. the field. Yeah, like, absolutely. They just it, they just got outclassed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, so, you know, and the Titans win the AFC South today. They actually won it before their game was over because the Raiders kicked a field goal to beat the Texans. I can't remember how much time was left in the Titans game. The Titans game wasn't over, wasn't technically over at that point. Um, Jimmy, so, no, they actually won it on Halloween. We've been saying this. <laughs> there you go. There I finally go. get to, that's yes. what I, was, I told you to wait for me at the beginning of the podcast. Hey. I was counting. I was counting how many days. 63 days that's ago hilarious. was when the Titans won the division. That's when I told you that the Titans that's won funny. the division. And I've been telling you that. And by you, I mean the, the people. Because right. you obviously yeah. know this. Yeah. Folks online, guys, for, for 63 days, two plus months you've been telling me. The Colts, they're coming. They're lurking. And it was, it was it, like, props to them for for the effort for it was a good try yeah it was just it, it, it they did they tried real hard and it was too little too late because they lost when they got swept by the titans on yeah. halloween yeah 63 days ago and so i'm i'm so gl- i'm just like just relieved to be done with that conversation because it, the the division's been over and now we can we can all agree that it's over because it's over because it's over absolutely <laughs> and, and it's and, and it's just awesome that they were the ones that ended it you, you know like today like oh, it wasn't yeah. even so that was fun uh that was I, was I was thinking earlier today there were two things i needed to give you credit for that was one of them because i mean you were i mean we we had that conversation and we've had it over and over and over and you know when it got down to the matching number being four with all the time that was left and all that stuff we said listen this is it's, it's a real long shot now the colts to, mm-hmm. i mean to their credit they won a couple of games that, you know, we didn't think they had much of a chance to win, right? They beat the Patriots. They got a lot closer than I would have bet on them to get, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. You know, but like again, said, it, was, it, was, it was too little, too late. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, um, 
that you've been saying you've been talking about is fumble yep. luck. What else right? I need to get credit for? Because I love getting credit on this. Yeah, show. It, else, well, else? it's the fumble thing, right? Because the Titans oh, had yeah. lost every single fumble. It's felt like this year, and today yeah. they put the ball on the ground a couple of different times and got it back. And then you know they had a couple, or they at least recovered the one to a fumble. So. Um, right. That's the thing you've been talking about, you know, fumbles being fluky and all that kind of stuff, and it, it seemed like their luck turned a little bit today uh, in that department. Well, exactly. Was, yeah. Not, nice not to, to not to not to uh, throw my throw my shoulder out, patting myself on the back, but these are just the stats, folks. I it's factual that right. I've been saying these things, like you like you pointed out, and yeah. you know, it's not just that I like I've been saying turnovers are a regressive stat, which means they're they're not predictive. Turnovers game to game, there's no trend. Um, and that is being borne out by the Titans' erratic. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they start the game, start the year through the first couple of games with like a very significant negative turnover differential? Yeah. And then in their next couple of games, it was like plus six. And then they got right before the bye, like three games where it was negative six or something again. And now I'm guessing it's probably positive again in the next chunk of games. Right. It's just it's back and forth. It's all over the place, game to game. It's not predictive, and I've been telling you that. And I, even I was sweating that one a little bit because, like I said, I think <laughs> I think after the Steelers game, we were talking about that same thing and and getting heat for it online and everything. And and I was like, listen, I know the numbers bear this out. It's a regressive stat. It's not something that is going to constantly be this way. It, it's not a trend. You can't you can't predict how they're going to do game to game. And yet, it seemed to be a trend because right. they kept doing they it kept, yeah, over and absolutely. over and over. They kept doing it. Yeah. Um, but here we are. Finally, they quit doing it. Thank goodness. So I don't have to continue to sweat that one. But again, not just that it's a regressive stat, but and and you may not have been getting giving me credit for this, but I'm going to because um, <laughs> that's the narcissist that I am. I, I, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was the week after the Steelers game. I tweeted out and I continue to call back to this tweet because it's it's not it's not revelatory. It's I, I mean, I'm not it's no no Nostradamus uh, tweet it, like it, it's 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 very simple and self-explanatory and really speaks for itself, I think. But you hear a lot of talk, you know, in radio and podcasting in in sports journalism about like, what are the keys to this game? What are the keys to success? over this stretch of games? What are the keys to success in the postseason? Blah, blah, blah. What are the keys? What are the keys to success for these teams? And I said after the Steelers game that I, going back over that game, watching the the game film of that of that game, thinking back to the last couple of weeks the Titans had had, they'd been struggling. I said, I'm becoming increasingly convinced that the Titans will win every game in which they win the turnover differential and they will lose every game in which they lose the turnover differential. And I continue to call back to that tweet because it continues to be true. Now, I said, of course, I stipulated at the time that that was specifically for these regular season games. And so far, that has bore itself out. They have won in accordance with winning the turnover battle. And again, who I'm, I'm kicking myself for not remember who, remembering who said this, but very famously, it was said that more games in the NFL are lost than are won by somebody who is very important in NFL uh history and it's a shame that I can't remember who said it but it's true more games are lost than are won and at the very top of that list of reasons games are lost are turnovers and so you know it's like oh duh yeah you turn over the ball you tend to lose the game but with the Titans my point in saying that was not just to point out the very obvious (laughs) correlation of bad turnovers bad games um 
but rather to point out that the Titans were doing enough. They were they were being productive enough on both sides of the ball to win games if they were to just stop the turnovers, right? That's the point. Not just that turnovers mean losses, but that if you took the turnovers away, these Titans games, the numbers bear out that these games, they're doing enough to win. And if you look at those statistics, the like the Titans offense has gotten better. And, you know, A.J. Brown certainly was a significant bump in terms of the offense's just ability to get into rhythm um, in these last two games. But if you just look at their yards per yards per play, uh, yards per game, passing, rushing, like all, all of those key metrics um, on both sides of the ball, really, outside of turnovers and points scored, uh, it's not really changed all that much in the last month. It's trended upwards slightly game by game, which is good. Obviously, you want the team to be peaking at the right time, which they seem to be. But it's not been a dramatic change between wins and losses. The dramatic change has been in turnovers and points, and those are directly correlative. So uh, to get off of my soapbox and to you know, book my appointment at the chiropractor for both of these thrown shoulders, you know, they, they are not turning the ball over. And you saw today another example of win games that you don't lose the turnover battle, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it was, it was a complete effort today. And they, the Titans haven't had a whole lot of those this year. Um, it, Since the Chiefs like, game, I think it was the most complete yeah, game. I mean, the defense just took everything away from the Dolphins that they'd wanted to do. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle comes in with a chance to set the ro- rookie record for receptions, right? I can't remember how many he needed. But, I mean, he'll probably wasn't next many. Week. But, I, I mean, he had that long pass – that he caught. I mean, that was when the game was already out of hand. But I mean, until until he caught that forty-five yard pass, he had one catch for no yards. Um, right. Him, was, him and Gasecki both. Both yeah. of their big weapons. Been yeah, they were taken out of the game. To, to and Gasecki, you kind of expected that from, right? Because of the track record of Dan Crookshank and the safeties being able to shut down tight ends. Sure. It's been like the sneaky superpower of this Titans defense this year, right? Their ability to shut down these star tight ends. Yeah. Um, with a with a guy like Waddle, I kind of expected it to be a situation like last week where Debo Samuel got his, looked like a star, and that was kind of the game plan, right? To let to let that one guy get his and then shut everybody else down. But today, Fulton did a good job shutting him down. Somebody gave Fulton uh, some long spikes today. He, he was not slipping around like he was last week. Um, and, and this is ch- tangen- tangential, but. Uh, did you did you pick up on any of the the talk about the turf field conditions this week after the after the uh, Music City Bowl and just about how horrible Nissan Stadium's field was? Yeah, I mean it was all over Twitter during that game, uh, right? Whatever day that was, I was kind of expecting down. today to be yeah. a disaster in terms of field conditions, especially with the weather, right? And it didn't really, I didn't notice it. it. Didn't, did you? No, it didn't look that way at all. No, um, so hey, this you know we know every. There's just thousands of you that listen to this show. I'm sure there, are, you know, the entire Nissan Stadium field crew listens to this show. So, shouts out to y'all. Did a great job. Apparently, they were resodding the field right after the Music City Bowl, which I, I've never understood how they do. How do you put down sheets of grass and get them to stick? But, anyways, well, this is not a gardening show. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm all over the place today, guys. Yeah. I'm very tired, if you can't tell. No, Jimmy, and, take over. the Your show, lead us somewhere, please. You know what else was weird was that the end zones weren't painted. Did you notice that? 
They're, they're right, I did notice really, that. That was weird. It was just weird to look at it. It doesn't really have anything to do with it. I guess they just ran out of time. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I was expecting a little bit of a disaster, and that, that didn't happen, and especially in the rain. Um, and, and so, like, the defense has has been consistently good <laughs> pretty much for a long time now. So, I mean, I They've think that's something, yeah, that you can, uh, you know, that it was a huge worry for us coming into this season. And I, I think we can officially say that, like, the, the defense is going to – it's fine. Um, you know, they're, they're going – they even have the ability to win some games this year, which they could. I was going to say, they're better than fine. Yeah. They're, they're very – they're, like, I think they're officially certified good. Yeah, I think – not great. Sixth which is wild because scoring defense right now. I, I, so, yeah, I, mean, I, saw, I saw Mike tweeted that, yeah. and then he got responded to by Kevin Byard, yeah, which was, was cool. cool. Um, um, yeah, yeah so, so, like, do you remember spending all summer talking about how – if they, if they can just get this defense to be right. middle of the pack, 15th, right? That was the whole talk. And now, you know, it, at times this season, they've needed it. They've needed it to be top five to win yeah. games. Um, and it has at times. Frankly, it's it's been, uh, while we're giving out props, props to the, the Titans coaching staff, you know, the, the, the GM, the front office, those guys, they're really kind of wild job in turning that defense around in just one year. Yeah, and, you know, also while we're giving out props, the Titans offensive line today, they showed up. Um, that has been a concern. I know I got put in Greenlaw's uh, bad Titans takes last week, or bad Twitter, it's an honor. it was called. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, because at one point during that Thursday night game, I tweeted out, is this offense even better with Derrick Henry back? Now, clearly, um, there was some some context there. <laughs> that was Yes, that was I remember when you tweeted that out, and I saw it, and I thought, Honestly, good question. Yeah, because, and I, and, you know, yes, of course, when you get the best player on your team back, then your offense is going to be better. But the offensive line was playing so poorly at that point that I don't think it would have mattered yeah. if Derrick Henry was running the ball. Um, they, they just, it was not good. But today you had the Dolphins, who I think led the league in sacks. They're at least top five coming into this game. And Ryan Tannehill got sacked one time. Um, so the, and, and they've been good run blocking all year. I mean, the, the run blocking really hasn't been a problem, um, because right. even in like the Patriots loss, I mean, the Titans were running all over the Patriots in that game. You had the fumbles and, and, and the other stuff there that, that more than know, any other them. team in Belichick career. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, they, they've been really good in, as far as that's concerned all year, but today they were able to protect Ryan Tannehill. And listen, if they can do that and you get, you know, you've got AJ Brown back already, you get Derek Henry back, you get whatever's left of Julio back, um, you, you know, once he comes off the COVID list. Um, the good things are going to happen for this offense. I mean, we know the weapons that they have. We know the talent that is there. We haven't been able to see it all together this year, but we know what they are capable of when they have everybody. And as long as the offensive line can hold up, then you've got a chance to, to really see everything kind of come together. And, you know, there was a point in this whole deal since Derrick Henry got hurt where there were some valid concerns even with Henry coming back. But like you mentioned, having A.J. Brown back has been such a big thing for this team. The, the passing game just looks different with him out there. Um, you've got a guy that you can find on third down. Uh, there was the one play, you know, where they ran the, you know, he kind of did the drag all the way across the field. And you could tell that Tannehill was, was staring him down from the snap, basically. But when you've got a guy that's as good as he is, 
you can get away with that. You can do that. He got open. They got the first down. You know, just having that safety blanket out there is, is such a huge thing. So to have him back, to have Anthony Ferkser remember how to catch the football today was awesome. Um, you know, <laughs> a guy that we we thought was going to be, you know, at least a little bit of something um, coming into this year. A guy who, you know, clearly just wasn't the, the, the whole tight end one thing um, has, has proven at times this year to be too big for him. But he had a couple of big catches today, held onto the ball. So, I mean, you know, if they can get those things together and then you're going to have reportedly Derrick Henry is at the facility, has been working out on his own, is getting close. I mean, that's kind of what we figured all along. But you're yep, looking right. at like, what, nine weeks at this point from his surgery. I think this coming Tuesday will be nine weeks. Um, you, yes, you know, again, the, the, the other thing that we haven't brought up yet is the fact that the Chiefs lost today in what was a crazy game. Um, that you know ended with uh, just one of the more bizarre things I've ever seen <laughs> at the goal line in that game. But, so um, bizarre, kick yeah, was, the ball. It was crazy. But anyway, um, but so I mean, now the Titans control their own destiny. So they should be able to beat the Texans. Now, should being the operative word there because we've already seen them lose to the Texans once this year. But with with I'll they, go ahead and go out on a limb and say that they beat the Texans. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and without I, I very their, rarely. Without Derrick Henry, right? And then if you do that, you get the one seed. You get an extra week with the bye until you have to have him back out there. It gives them a little time. We've talked about, you know, with Full this, 11 weeks then, yeah. Right. With this injury, the kind of statistical magic number is 10 weeks. And I know that people are like, well, that's Derrick Henry. And, and, yes, everybody's different, all, all those things. But to kind of get into that statistical probability of giving him the best chance to not re-injure that bone 10 weeks has proven to kind of be the number that you need. And so now you can get even a little bit past that before you have to have him back on the field. He's got fresh legs, all that stuff. I mean, it's setting up for something to, that has the chance to be really special. And I, honestly, like a month ago, I, I wasn't sure even when Derrick Henry came back what we were going to see from this offense. But they seem sure. to be clicking at the right time. It obviously helps having your offensive line healthy, having A.J. Brown healthy. You know, those things are, were, are clearly a big difference. But they, they do seem to be peaking again. You know, we saw them peak kind of middle of the year, right, with those wins over the Bills and the Chiefs and, you know, and, and the Rams and that little run right there and the Colts. Um, but now, and then we've seen the lull, but now they're kind of getting back in stride again and doing it at the right time. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of props to be given out on the offense. Uh, I think you covered really all of them. I, I, I thought that today's performance from A.J. Brown was actually just as good of an example of what difference he makes for this team um, as last week was. And obviously, the, the two performances weren't similar, right? Because on Thursday night in his return, he went crazy, took over the game in the second half, was the reason the Titans won. And in this in this game, he was kind of in the background the whole the whole game. Um but I thought that they were kind of both great examples of of why he's so important because the Titans didn't have a ton of games in his absence that were like last week where they needed somebody to take over, that they were in a hole, that they were struggling and they needed they just needed a superhero. They did, however, have a number of games in his absence where they were doing almost everything right and just needed a guy to be just 
just a small thing to put him over the edge, right? And and today he was he was that guy that was there when you needed like when you needed a reception, a, 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 like a get a bucket guy in basketball. He's the he's the Titans get a bucket guy, right? He's the guy when in doubt when you when you need it, and he's got you. And on you know some third downs, <clears throat> he had some some catches, kept drives alive, um, made some plays, and and wasn't super flashy, wasn't the the primary you know component of the game, um, but he he was the safety valve. He's the, kind of the spark plug that makes this team go. Um, you know he can he can be there to really go off when you need him, but. At the end of the day, he's just a component that is there and is going to make everything run smoothly and and is kind of the anchor of the offense. Um, and as good as Derrick Henry is, I think that there's an argument to be made how it, you know just the way that this team is structured. Not it's not really a reflection of their individual talents, but the way that this team is structured, the the skill set that that AJ Brown has to offer. Um, up against what else the Titans have at that position is is significantly more important to this team than the skill set that Derrick Henry has to offer up against what else they have at that position, right? Because we've seen, and this was an interesting t- statistic I'm going to read um, that I found from, from Chris Harris over at WSMV Channel 4 here in town. He, he tweeted out just looking at the numbers in the aggregate for the Titans' run offense Derrick Henry in his eight games and then the next eight games without Derrick which is you know an aggregate of Foreman Hilliard McNichols and Peterson those four guys up against Henry in his eight games so in Henry's eight games first eight games of the season 219 carries the aggregate of the next four guys is 212 carries so pretty much identical Henry had 937 yards the aggregate had 945, also essentially identical. And then Henry, this is where you get a bit of an X factor. Henry has 10 touchdowns. The aggregate has five. But in terms of production, and again, <clears throat> at the, the scores are, a cor- this loops back around correlating to when it's been these guys, the turnover issue has been a defining thing for the, the team. And they've scored less because they've turned over the ball a lot more, right? But just in terms of production, the carries – the yards, it's been very consistent. You know, pro- props to the the offensive staff, props to offensive coordinator Todd Downing, which is it might be illegal at this point. I'm doing it anyways. Yeah, props to him for, st- st- in this regard, you got to give him props for, and he talked about this at the time, not when Henry left. They kind of stuck to their guns. Clearly, their their game plan in terms of running the ball has not changed all that much in terms of um, volume. Now, the way that they run the ball is a little bit different, but the volume has stayed the same, and it's been producing at the same level. And part of that is kudos to guys like Foreman, Foreman and Hilliard, especially Foreman, I think, today. And somebody tweeted this out. A bit, it might have been Herndon. Um, just about, once again, recognizing how great a fill-in for Henry Foreman has been. Um, I, I don't know... <clears throat> where he's been frankly that's a failure of of journalistic duty on my part i need to go and and look into the the past of uh deontay foreman but he he has been he's he's kind of he's kind of the the rc cola to derrick henry's coca-cola like he's just he's the public's brand 
Henry. And it's not it's not a bad thing. It's not a not a not a burn. Like, you know, it's it's comparable. It'll get the job done. It's not what you'd prefer, but it's, you know, it's made in the made in the image of, made in the mold of. The way that he runs the ball, his physical build, um He's a very similar player to Derrick Henry. Not quite as big, not quite as fast, not quite the ball security, not quite the field vision, not quite the pass-catching ability. But it's like a, a pretty minor step down in most of those most of those things. The, the biggest step down, obviously, is their, the, the ability. And this is where you, you, hear, you hear people talk about, like, yards per carry and all of this, and, oh, look, like, Henry's not all that big a deal. Look at these stats. You know, they put up the same... They put up the same volume without him in the eight games after him with more guys. Well, yeah, it took four guys to do it, what he did with one person. A big, a big com- of what makes Derrick Henry an all-time future Hall of Fame running back is his ability to carry a load like those, those guys of old could do, like, like the Barry Sanders of the world uh, were, able, were able to do, carrying that load, being that workhorse, um, is like the the durability is is a massive component of it, right? Obviously, there's more to him than that, but his ability to do a, as a one man show what it took these four guys to do is is a big part of what makes him what he is. But all that is to say, it's pretty incredible what they've managed to do. And it's you know you got you you unfortunately many of you don't want to. You have to give props to the offensive coaching staff for sticking with their guns and it it paid off because it's it the running game has been really the only consistent part of this offense since they've lost Henry right yeah and you know Foreman like you said that my only issue with him is the ball security thing because I mean he fumbled again today right and I, you know the Dolphins came out of that pile with the ball uh I don't know how they determined that the Titans recovered it there was no there was no way on replay to, to see otherwise but um you, you know, that that's that's the only really knock you can have on him. Um, you know, he was a third-round pick, but you're talking about where he's been. He's a third-round pick of, by the Texans back in 2017. He tore his Achilles while he was with them, and then, you know, he has bounced around a little bit and has been, you know, a couple different stints with this team. So, um, yeah, he's done a Where'd great job. Where did he play job. in college? Was he out of Texas? Texas? Yeah, he played for okay, Texas. Okay, that's what I thought. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's done a really good job. Hilliard obviously had the big run today. We've seen explosive stuff from him. You know, Jeremy McNichols has continued to play his role. But yeah, like you said, I mean the 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 way this staff has been able to put to keep that run game chugging like it has is is really something that that needs to be commended. And listen, we've we've talked about Todd Downing, we've talked about the issues there. Um, you know, there are certainly issues there. But from uh, from this standpoint, you you do have to give them credit for what they've been able to do with Henry not being there. And you know, it just gives you all the more confidence for what you're going to be able to have when Derrick Henry comes back, and Foreman's going to have a role, right? And, I mean, if you – assuming we don't see Henry until, you know, again, a win against the Texans without Derrick Henry gets you to a bye, and the first time you're going to see him would be in the divisional round, you can give Foreman some carries to spell Henry and not have to give him that huge load in his first game back and feel okay about it, you know? That hasn't always been the case with the guys that they've had behind Derrick Henry, and they have that a little bit now, which which has been – which is just a really good thing for this team going forward. Um, Absolutely. Sorry, before I, I, before we move on, one thing I want to ask you about, and it's a, it's a thing that I'm sure we'll do a lot of talking about this week, um, you know, on the Twitterverse and such. The discussion around whether Derrick Henry, if he's good to go, should be activated this week and play, whether versus, you know, versus whether he shouldn't. 
I think that you and I agree on this, but I, I just want to hear your thoughts on if he's good to go just strategically in terms of, you know, risk evaluation with health and all of that. What do you think the best move is for the team? Like, again, and we're assuming that he is good enough to go this week if he had, if like, if he needed to, yeah. right? That's the assumption, which we don't know. We don't know that until he's activated. Right. But if that's the assumption, what do you think is the best move? Don't play him. I mean, and, and again, like, I, I get <laughs> yeah. it. I, I just, I don't, there, there's nothing that I have seen yet that where anybody can convince me otherwise. Like, we talked about the the. I mean, we talked about this when he when he first went down with the timeline and all that kind of stuff, and how important that ten week mark is. He he feels great. That's awesome. Like that's what you want to hear. But I, I don't. He doesn't need. I don't know. He's Derrick Henry. He doesn't need to get back in the rhythm of the game and all that stuff. Right. Like he's, this he's is the point I want to there. hone on. Yeah. It's like, not like he's been off for six months. Yeah. Guys, like, that's going to be a common talking point. Like, oh, I want to see him to get you know. 10 to 12 carries to get back in right, get yeah. back into game shape start build those calluses up guys he was playing football at an elite level at a, at a at a level no other running back was playing in terms of volume 63 days ago, ago. 63 right? days exactly <laughs> 60, 63 days ago yeah. he was doing this it wasn't he hasn't been in Aruba all summer you know tanning and not working out which Derrick Henry in the summer he's actually in Aruba working out but that's <laughs> right. a different that's a different point He's he's not lost those calluses. He's not lost his game shape. Um, you know, it, in the couple of weeks where he probably had to be, you know, non-weight bearing, he probably, you know, lost a little conditioning. But he's Derrick Henry. We've heard that he's working out in the facility. He's running in cleats, blah, blah, blah. He's going to get himself back in shape. And it's not going to be an issue. It, the only issue really in terms of getting him back is, A, when do they need him, right? Because you don't, you don't want to bring a guy back from injury if you don't need to yet, right? Like if you can get away with not doing it, then then you then you don't do it especially when it's a weapon of that caliber and it's something that you can that you can save for yourself right here's the other that's thing that's a and and b it's the injury thing right like right. do they do they risk cuz at bringing him back at any point this season regardless of what people want to say is a risk right you we we looked at all those numbers right when the injury happened of you know at the 8 week mark it's this at the 10 week mark it's Right, all of those, all of those things in terms of historically this injury, what players have dealt with, we know that. But what we know, the common denominator with all of those examples is, when they come back in the same season, it is always a risk of re-injury unless you wait, you know, mo- like multiple, multiple months. Then you're back, like with any injury, with any injury, right? Unless you really do the full, like you know, you break your foot and the doctor says you'll be back to full health in six six months. Well, yeah, you can. You, you're actually good enough to go after three months. It's just if you don't continue to do the work that you need to do with rehabbing, there's a chance to re-injure your foot, right? That's that's what this is. So, why do you why do you risk it? Why do, why would you why would you put more? Why would you assume more risk than you need to? The other thing for me is the whole game shape thing. Like giving him ten to fifteen carries is not going to get him in game shape. Right, I mean, I mean, I guess it. Would I wish, I wish I could just but, take ten to fifteen NFL carries, and suddenly I'm an NFL game shape. Yeah, That's well, incredible. It, but I mean, it, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna give him thirty carries, right, in the divisional round. I mean, we talked about you know having Foreman to spell him or whatever. I don't think they're actually going to do that. I mean, it's a nice thought to have, but like giving him ten carries against the Texans, I, I just don't see how any, that does anything for his conditioning when it comes to the the playoffs. I, I just that, that whole thing. Yeah, this isn't this isn't Shaq with the Lakers. We're not playing ourselves into yeah, shape. That's not how this yeah, works, especially yeah, in the postseason, guys. Like, yeah, I got nothing for that. 
Um, no. I don't think we had any hot takes tonight. Did we? I don't think we. It, we did it. Did, are we the only two that watched this game? Shame <laughs> on all of everyone listening. I need you, uh, everyone, you need to go to the nearest corner and put your nose in it and think about what you've done because we asked for your hot takes. In the last two weeks, they've been glorious. It's been great. The momentum behind this segment, you could feel it. And then, just, and then today, I put uh, now, granted, I, I put the, I put the, I forgot to put the tweet out. It, 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 it was probably too late. A little bit later. Um, yeah. So. That's right. Probably my fault, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna blame you guys because Dadgummit, you should live on Twitter because it's the most important thing in your life, and you and you should. Everyone knows that Twitter is more real than real life, so that's where you should be, and you should see my tweet and you should respond. So shame on you all. And if anybody responds, I'm gonna be very mean to you and say you're too late. Why weren't you here earlier? You didn't give us any content. Uh, we'll try again next week, and I'll and and also granted, there's not a whole lot of hot taking that's to be had yeah on this game, that's... really right. There wasn't a whole it's lot. Been inter- it, it's been an interesting Titans season. There have been a number of games this year where it's just been like, it's not much to say, right? After the Chiefs game, it was right. like, great win. After today's game, it's like, man, great, great win. Yeah. And then there's been a couple of games where it's they lost, but they, you know, it's because the practice squad, was, practice squad was out there and it's like, yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's going to do that. That's how that works. It's, it's right. been strange. It's not the narrative. The Titans been kind of sleepy this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me, let me. So since we don't have that, let me, let me bring up one other thing. Yeah, um, I said after the game that Mike Vrabel is unquestionably the NFL coach of the mm. year. Now I don't know if he'll win the award or not. I, you know, it, it, it's impossible to tell. Um, but two popular responses to that tweet, you know, that were from non-Titans fans, right? Because, I mean, every Titans fan agrees with that. And everybody mm-hmm. that has paid any level of attention to what has gone on with this team this year should agree with that. But I got two popular responses that I, I just kind of wanted to talk about for a minute. Responses of other coaches of other that coaches, deserve it? Correct, yes. Can I, can I guess who the responses you, were? You can. I'm going to guess one of them was Zach Taylor for that the That is correct. And was the other Belichick? Uh, Be- Belichick was one. The other one, it may, this may have just been Before? one guy that was, yes, that's who it was. And it may have just okay. been one guy that was staunchly, you know, arguing yeah. for Matt LaFleur. That might have been the case. And I just kept seeing people respond to him and him respond to them. I have, um, very, I have a very, sometimes. very strong opinion on one of those three. And the other two, I think there's at least a you, case for. You can make a case for Zach Taylor. You can make a I, case agreed. for Bill Belichick. Agreed. <laughs> Matt LaFleur, you cannot make a case for Matt like, He <laughs> cannot. Like he, you, want, you want to know why? It, one because word, he has one Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, MVP. Yeah. He can't be the coach of the year with the MVP at court. You, the MVP and the coach of the year cannot go <laughs> Right? Like, those are two awards for, for people that carried a team. They can't both carry the team, man. Like, like LaFleur... Either either Aaron Rodgers is is a is a god quarterback and he carried that team, which is I think objectively true, and he's the MVP. Or Lafleur carried that team despite a quarterback that was at, at best just good, right? Like it can't it can't be both things, especially with Coach of the Year, because Coach of the Year historically is like, oh, this guy carried his team; they overperformed expectations because this guy was their coach. Well, no. If you're if you're like the the Packers overperformed expectations, what was the reason? Every finger in the room points at Aaron Rodgers first. Like it's probably that guy. That's my first guess. It's Aaron Rodgers because it is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's just stupid. And so, like, all right. So 
next year when Aaron Rodgers moves on, which we all, I guess, assume it's still at this point that he's going to do. Mm, I disagree. Um, I think he's staying. Well, maybe, okay, but anyway, whenever Aaron Rodgers does, is no longer does. his quarterback. One day, um, yes. Then if you want to, like, go back to 2021 and, and you know, post-award it to Matt LaFleur, if, you know, he turns Jordan Love into a, a guy that, you know, wins 12 games, then, okay, fine. But Agreed. for now, if, if he you continues just to go can't. thirteen and three yeah. every year without yeah. Rodgers, right? You just then can't. give him the award every year. Great job. It's, it's stupid. I, I don't. That that makes no sense to me. And again, okay. so I let's think, talk about the other two. Yeah, I mean, I think I still think Vrabel has a better case than those guys. A, Tyson, I do. Titans are the number one seed. B, not only Derrick Henry, but I mean, obviously, losing the the best player on your team, the guy that your offense is built around. Neither one of those guys can say that they did that. I mean, you, the, the Patriots certainly have limitations on offense, but they had those coming into the season. And so I, I think it's harder to, to overcome a loss in the middle of the year than it is having limitations coming into the year. Maybe, maybe that's not true, but that, that's just kind of how no, I feel No, I think that's that. fair. I think that's fair. Let's, let's break then, down, just let's briefly break down each of their cases. But Does that sound Yeah, that's fine. fine. 88 players. Con- con- continue what you were going to say, and then I was I, just going to say, I mean, like, the, the Titans have used 88 players. Like, that's, that's yes. Like, and they're, they're going to be the number one seed. So, like, yeah. Whatever. Right. So you just, you just essentially broke down the base, right? That it's, yeah. it's primarily those four things that they, they lost. Derrick Henry, which is a top five player in the entire NFL at the halfway point of the season. They broke the league record for the most players on a team's active roster in one season, which is currently sitting at 88, might be more by the end of the season. They are 11 and five and division champions and one win away from the AFC one seed, despite those things. And one other thing that you didn't mention, the Titans are six and one as an underdog this season, which is a stat I looked up this morning and was a bit surprised. Like we know that that Vrabel is the new underdog God um, in terms of sports betting. And it's just like, that's the mantra for the Titans. It's like, never count them out of a big spot, but six and one, their, their only loss as an underdog this season was uh, in New England. But those four things are pretty much his case, which I yeah. think is clearly the strongest. Now, you've got Zach Taylor, which who has a case. I think he does have a case. Yeah. Personally, I think it's a bit of, of a I, – I think there are some parallels to be drawn between the Zach Taylor-Joe Burrow dynamic and the uh, LaFleur-Rogers dynamic just in the sense that not, – not to say that Burrow is carrying his team in the way that Rogers is because he's not. But – I think if you're to if you're to point out one person on that Bengals team, you're like, what has made the difference primarily for this team? I think it's Joe Burrow and lumping in with that, their incredible passing yeah. attack, or their incredible it's, weapons. It's Burrow, Jamar Chase, and then maybe Zach Taylor, right? I mean, he's right. probably yeah, absolutely. on the list. And listen, you know, is, he, is he not the most anonymous head coach in the whole league? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I think you can certainly he's just that. the saltine cracker of coaches and maybe that's a good thing, but, but he, you don't hear about him. You don't, he doesn't seem to really be on the consciousness of the NFL public. He's clearly done a good job. Like I'm, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't mean to besmirch his efforts because he's done. I mean, it's the Bengals for crying out loud. Like, like they're a yeah. notch above the Browns, and the, and they are they just clinched their division. They're gonna, you know, they're they, they look like. Let me ask you this: if if the playoffs started today, and you could host the Chiefs or the Bengals in Nashville, who would you rather host? It's close. 
I mean, it's, I, it I, is. I you got to think I mean, about you it. You saw those two teams play today, and they're they're both really really good. And that, right, I mean, that's like, going to be. I tend to think the talent is better for KC, but the Bengals are red hot. Right, right now. and and I still think you'd take Mahomes over Burrow. Like if you're if yes. you're starting a franchise, like that's you're going to take Mahomes before Burrow, unless you're Dan Orlovsky. Right <laughs> there, you go. Um, <laughs> but I mean, and then and then my case against Zach Taylor is just you know Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon have all, for the most part, been healthy. I think Mixon's missed a game or two. Right. Um, they, ha- they have they, been really healthy. They've team. missed it. Right. Th- yeah. Point. But, like, the, the guys that they've depended on to get them there, the guys that they were depending on to get them there coming into the season have been the guys that have gotten them there. So, yep. I mean, again, that's just my thing. And then, you know, Belichick, fine, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's, 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 he's obviously a really, really good coach. Um, well, he's clearly and, the greatest of all time in the NFL. Yeah. And, and, and Without a question. And he's he has been a wizard in spots. Yeah. I think that. I was just going to say, I mean, obviously, you know, he he know he knew the quarterback that he needed for his team um, in Mac Jones. I mean, he, he took the right quarterback for that fit. He's got Josh McDaniels, so I mean, I, I think that he's obviously done a really really good job. But I still just don't think what he did, what he has done stacks up to um, what Vrabel had had to deal with. Right. I, I actually think that if the award was most valuable coach that he would be yeah. the winner yeah, pretty yeah. much every year, in, in particular this year, because I think if you were to take him out of that situation and put in a Zach Taylor, for example, that that team, I, th- I think that he has single-handedly, in a lot of ways, overperformed for that team in the way that he's coached them up and the way that he's schemed week to week. Um, and he's, you know, again, it's just, he's, the hoodie is incredible and he's the best to ever do it. So if it was the most valuable coach, I think that he is probably the most valuable coach, and I think he's that most seasons. But it's coach of the year, and a big part of that award is not just how good you did, but how much you overcame, right? Like, a big part of that is what was thrown at you, and, like, how how did you perform despite what was thrown at you? And in terms of, like, ease of coaching paths this season, I'm not sure variable doesn't rank dead last pretty easily, right? In terms yeah. of what he had to overcome. Um, and he overcame them as much as you possibly could, really, because they're at the top of the division. Or, the, well, the division and the conference. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. That's pretty good. Pretty good bow on that. Anything else we need to hit on from today? <sighs> you know, I felt like there was one other thing I wanted to bring up. I'm I'm scanning over... While you do that, just, you know, the back-to-back AFC South champs, uh, first time this franchise has won the division in back-to-back years since, like, the 60s. Something crazy. They were the <laughs> Oilers the last time it happened. So, um, Wild. Just, yeah, kind of crazy there. Oh, this is, this is not – I don't think there's a ton of room for discussion, but I found it interesting, and I wanted to bring it up. Um, I'll give credit to this person, even though I have no idea who they are. Big Joe, <laughs> at Big Joe on the go. Yeah, no Big clue Joe. who you are. But, you don't but, know who Big Joe is? I, no, on, am I? Man. He's but, been in the national know? media for a long time. Uh, is channel? Oh, he's got a lot of followers. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Host of more man, Big yeah. Joe. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, he's a three time Emmy winner. Yes, yo, come on, man, Joe Dubin. <laughs> oh, it's that Joe. Yeah, I recognize the full name. Okay, all right. I'm at least familiar. I'm I'm so sorry, Big Joe. Big Joe on the go, who we're aware of and is very important. He said <laughs> that, that John Robinson. Uh, he said John Robinson may have had some misses, but but look at this. And he lists off John Robinson's accomplishments with the Titans as GM. And again, this is this is stuff we probably should be doing. We'll we'll get into this kind of thing in much more detail as a post mortem on the Titans season. But 
based on you know the accomplishments achieved by the Titans this week and where they are at, it's it's an interesting reflection point, inflection point, if you will. He's been the GM for the Titans for six years. He's had no losing seasons. He's made the playoffs in four of those six years, gotten two division titles in those six years. And then if you look at the six years prior to him becoming the GM, no playoff appearances, four different head coaches. Not much else. It kind of speaks that. for itself. Like yeah. we, we, we hold in in the media, we hold Robinson to really high standards because those are the standards he set for himself, right? Um, and he's far from flawless. But in terms of GMs in the league, um, I know that on the F words pod, our buddies over at F words last week were were ranking uh, ranking offensive coordinators in the league and seeing where Todd Downing fits in. I think that might be an interesting thing. I might do an article on that in the offseason just to see like where does John Robinson fit in in terms of GMs in the league? Because I I would be shocked if it's not top ten, if not better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's he's done a really incredible job. There you have it. All right, so that'll do it for tonight's show. Uh, like I said at the top, BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Check it out. Best Titans analysis you're going to find. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at JMorrisMCM, at Easton Freeze. Uh, podcast, home run, throwback. Podcast also with Titans. So, Easton, Jimmy Sam, thanks so much for listening. Brought to you Talk by to you Broadway Sports Media.